MP, it feels like every area of life at the moment is undergoing revolution. I'm glad you said that, Bretto, because at this year's Wellness Summit virtual experience, all of our speakers are presenting on the revolution. Yeah, and it's such a topsy-turvy world right now. It feels like everything's been turned upside down, whether it's your finances, your food, your health, your longevity, your family. All of these things are just in such a state of flux right now that we really need to get the experts in to give us the lowdown. That's why we have Jason Witten on the financial revolution, Cindy O'Meara on the food revolution, Kim Morrison on the self-love revolution, Marcus Pierce on the longevity revolution, the great Brett Hill on the resilience revolution, Andrea Huddleston on the hormones revolution, and of course, Joe Witten on the food and family revolution. And for the first time ever, we'll have breakout sessions on the energy revolution, the career revolution, the barefoot revolution, the real food revolution, and the parenting revolution. All this and more at The Wellness Summit, September 11 and 12. Book your tickets at thewellnesssummit.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. Marcus Pierce here with you, and as always, I am so enamored, excited, humbled, just, I'm just feeling so bright to introduce you <laughs> to the co-founder, not the co-founder, well, the co-founder of 100 Not Out, Australia's premier wellness expert, my brother from another mother, the great Dr. Damien Christoph. Hello, legend. Hello, legend. It's great to be back with you again for another episode, another round. You in the blue corner, me in the red corner. And uh, Nicole, as a very special guest, is our adjudicator, our judge. No, no, we don't 50 cup. <laughs> We're best mates. We are best mates, and I love it. It's always great to share time with you each week. MP, tell us about what's going on today. Well, l- lately, Damo, we've been interviewing guests and bringing up topics that we probably think haven't got enough um, airplay in the mainstream media. Recently, we spoke to our dear friend Shona in New Zealand about the power of friendship and how a lot of people are really feeling the effects of not being able to connect with their friends at the moment. We've spoken about mental unhealth and how people have been pretending to feel okay when they're anything but okay. And we've been talking about making it okay to not be okay at the moment. And we've also mentioned in passing, and today we're going to dedicate uh, this episode to domestic violence. And it's an issue that doesn't get enough uh, coverage in the media at the moment and I had the great pleasure of meeting Nicole Edwards through a mutual friend of ours, Jason Witten and Shay Witten earlier in the year. And Nicole is the founder of Rise Up Australia and I, I think we both share this interest in bringing this message to the world because if I give you the stats, you'll realise why this may be one of the most important episodes we've ever recorded. One domestic violence incident takes place every two minutes in Australia. One in three women have experienced physical or sexual violence by someone known to them. Sexual assault and domestic violence are the most common crimes committed in Australia. And I think we need a voice in Australia to really be someone that is not necessarily connected to the issue by way of physical experience because our guest today is not someone that has experienced uh, domestic violence in her own family. This is someone who is here from the outside looking in, helping those on the inside, going through the harshest, almost most unimaginable of circumstances. And it gives us great pleasure to have Nicole Edwards, the founder of Rise Up Australia, joining us on 100 Not Out today. Nicole, thanks so much for joining us. 
Oh, you're so welcome. It's beautiful to be here. And uh, it was fantastic to meet you um, earlier in the year, Marcus. And uh, it was so, what was so great was just to really, you were picking up what I was putting down. And, uh, you know, I love that because that's uh, every, every opportunity that I get to get out there and advocate and speak about what's happening and, and uh, shine the light on the beast. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's really, really powerful. So really grateful for the opportunity. Nicole, I want to ask you before, I know Damien feels very strongly about this topic. I want to ask the first question and I'll pretty much give the whole episode to Damo because you and I have spoken <laughs> a number of times, but you have helped, you, you, you're, you're, you're TEDx famous. You are all over the internet. Your message is getting out there in the most powerful ways, which is wonderful. Um, You've helped over a thousand women and families relocate and restart their lives. Um, I suppose the the only real question I want to ask on behalf of the audience is, how do you do this and how specifically does Rise Up Australia uh, help women? Because it's such a overwhelming topic. Can you share with people how you do it? Because it's quite empowering. Do you know what? And great question. Um, and the first thing is is that I don't do it. Um, my team does it, you know. So I am surrounded by the most incredible human beings and I think that's the best part of my, my day every day. You know, we have 500 and, well, what are we at, 546 volunteers and, uh, you know, just I feel that it's such, um, I feel like it's such an incredible opportunity to come together with like-minded people. We've got doctors and CEOs and painters and stay-at-home mums and stay-at-home dads and, you know, all sorts of people from across the continuum of our society and joining as one to uh, step into the space of changing the ending for these really vulnerable families. And uh, so it's a bit, we are a bit of a logistic beast I would say um, there's a lot that goes into it we look like graceful swans but I can tell you behind the scenes um, you know everyone's working uh, crazily it'll be our sixth birthday in September and uh, you know we've helped our 1077 families so it's incredible and and I think when we say 1077 families think about you know that's 1077 dining tables it's a thousand and seventy seven um you know mums or dads that we've helped and then children and little boys little girls you know plus 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 we've helped um animals (laughs) it's it's nuts it's diverse so it's uh yeah it's incredible and honestly i i'm only as good as my team and uh fortunately i have the most incredible team that uh believes in me marcus believes in me and what we're doing Mm. Well, I think it's beyond belief. I mean, because clearly they'll believe in your story because your story is unbelievably incredible. But you're an incredible person to have a drive to be able to do something that's as big as this and a vision to go way outside your own comfort zone from your own family to like go and help thousands of other families is just it's next level Nicole it's it's absolutely next level so I'm I'm grateful for all of those volunteers that actually help you out and I'm grateful for uh, your team members that uh, that work closely with you that they do back you because as Marcus was reading out those statistics earlier on or you know quoting those statistics I got tingles on my arms and um, and I was overcome with emotion and I was watching Jody uh, Basil who's a great friend of ours uh, from 100 not out um, just 
sharing this to like dozens and dozens of people like just get on this call get on this call get on this call so i know that just through the people that we know your message will impact tens of thousands of people so thank you for doing what you do if we don't get a chance to say thank you um you know thank you uh, before we even talk about everything so yeah i mean you had an experience a bit over six years ago that set you on this path um are you able to share with us what happened yeah, absolutely. So it was through a friend of a friend that I'd heard news about a woman who had arrived at the Gold Coast Hospital and she had her baby and she had her three other children. And um, essentially she had arrived at the hospital with nothing but a small bag and her children in tow. And uh, it sort of landed in my lap, you know, Nicole, what can, you know, have you got anything that we can, um, you know, help this family? And, uh, you know, with the powers of social media, you know, just putting it out, you know, amongst my friends and family and, you know, what, um, have you got this and what have you got, blah, blah, blah. And uh, by the first week, we had all but housed her. But the tragedy that lay behind this lady's story is that she had actually jumped on a train in Perth, in WA, crossed our beautiful land, our lucky country, if you like, and um, with her baby, her three children and her backpack. And essentially, she was fleeing from a violent person perpetrator, the perpetrator who was meant to love her and keep them safe. But what was happening was that this perpetrator was perpetrating unbelievable amounts of violence against this little small family. And all she could really do was so that she didn't alert him of any of her movements or what she was planning. She just took a small backpack and said she was taking those children to lunch. And, uh, you know, in a last resort, she jumped on a train and crossed our massive, beautiful country to get to safety. And uh, that was really overwhelming. You know, you touched on before, this is, um, you know, my little family, we came out from South Africa when I was 10. It's my mom and my dad, my brother and myself. And uh, uh, my dad is just a legend. And, uh, you know, I think back in the day, so I was 10, what am I, 46? So back in the day, I think my dad had, uh, he came out on a visitor visa, $25,000 in the account and two small children. My brother was 13 and myself and just packed the family up and came. My dad had spent 10 years in the war um, and uh, my brother was due to be conscripted at 15 and he was 13 and my it was just not the life that my dad, you know, my mum wanted for their family. And uh, so mum and dad are still together um and i feel you know i'm married to the most incredible man and i feel that it's everyone deserves to live a life of safety and respect and to have a great life you know there are so many challenges that life throws at us and everyone deserves to live their best life and um i remember so distinctly that my mum had said to me Back in the day when I started heading and down this journey, um, my mum had said to me, you know, Nicole, we have tried our whole life to protect you from this side of life and here you are diving headlong into it. And, you know, for me, it was really that's the reason why I feel probably so passionate about the work that I do. And I've got, um, I feel it's just, it's my dharma, I guess, you know, I don't know if, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an activist against injustice and, uh, you know, I always have been that person that has sort of spoken out and I'm that, you know, annoying person. And uh, so, 
<laughs> so I think, um, you know, it's just something that I'm very, very passionate about injustice, as we were talking before, Damo, and and uh, domestic and family violence is one of the greatest human rights violation that our, our world currently faces. So, you know, if, if it takes me sort of getting out there and advocating and, and trying to get a bit of a movement happening through this practical component around what we're doing, uh, you know, I'm happy and that's why we sort of started Rise Up. It was once I had learned about this lady's story and then I started to learn a bit more and I started to speak to different people and because it's not, you can't just pick up the phone, right? You can't pick up the phone and ring a refuge or it's all very hidden and... um, So for me, you know, just slowly, slowly, and now I've been doing this work for, gosh, about nine years altogether now, and I can't unknow what I now know, and my husband feels the same. We closed our business down, and, you know, we've done a few things over the years, and this is it. We're done. So, you know, sometimes I I wake up and think, what? Whose idea was it to run a not-for-profit? But, uh, you know, I feel if we can get to the end of our, our lives and know that we've created some safe outcomes and we've been able to help families press that restart button and we've walked alongside them, gosh, you know, what, what that's okay. Okay. There is a little bit. Maybe it's uh, coming back through Nicole's computer. Maybe. No. Um, Maybe. Oh, no, I think we're okay. We're good. Yeah, we're good now. Nicole, we call Australia the lucky country. And uh, I say to people at the moment, you know, honestly, I'm very grateful to be living in a country like Australia at a time like this. I don't, I'm glad I'm not living in a country that, yeah, I'm glad. I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled and grateful. Uh, but when I, you know, read the stats at the beginning, and I look at more stats that I have here, you know, one incidents every two minutes, 71 women died from domestic violence in 2016. Uh, intimate partner violence is the leading cause of death, disability, and ill health in women aged 15 to 44. I mean, I'm I'm reeling these off, like it's it's understated. They're they're absolutely debacle is not even the right word disastrous doesn't even cover it like how does australia and i know it's not australia only but how does australia the lucky country have Mm. such terrible terrible numbers this is real human beings how does how does this happen yeah so and one of the other statistics which always always stops me in my tracks is that three women in australia are admitted to hospital with a traumatic brain injury every week Massive. Far out. Massive. So we're losing we're losing one and a half women per week. They're dead. They're they're yep. dead from domestic yep. violence. I, I mean, I I was doing um, the white ribbon certification before white ribbon closed down, and obviously now white ribbons you know back up again. But I just haven't got back into it. So I was becoming more and more aware of this domestic violence issue, um, which was blowing my mind. I just couldn't I couldn't get my head around it. But these are 2016 statistics and things have changed. Like mm-hmm. we're four years down the track. We've we're now like I'm in Victoria and so you know we seem to be the only state that's in this pandemic at the moment. Um, I can imagine that there's a lot more of this stuff going on. Are these stats still the same or are they worse now? Uh, do you know the thing is is when we're looking at statistics and people often say they cannot be right, those statistics cannot be right, you're damn straight, they're not right, they're way worse because there's yeah. so many yeah. people who aren't and who aren't reporting. 
right? So what we are seeing is um, a great number of people uh, who are now reaching out, and it's due to the fact that we now have an incredible movement of community advocates. And that's my goal is to really generate this movement. And I'm hoping by the end of today's uh, podcast, we might have encouraged a few more community advocates to step into the space. And when I'm talking about being a community advocate, it's really around finding comfort to lean into the discomfort, right? That's such a social worker thing, isn't it? You know, find comfort in the discomfort. and uh, But to yeah. be able to lean in and look at it with both eyes wide open, be prepared to feel a little bit uncomfortable with the subject matter. Think about why we live in this great land, um, Marcus. Like, I'll, I'll come back to your question. But in terms of what is it? Are we comfortable leaning in and holding our friends and family accountable for their attitudes and behaviour? Are we understanding that one of the key drivers to violence against women is gender inequality? Are we then understanding that we need to lean in and ask what's so funny about that sexist joke in a really non-threatening and respectful way? You know, I find that it's really important that we are um, able to sort of find a bit of comfort in the fact that it takes a lot of courage to to challenge some of these things, right, and what's happening in a conversation. And, and not a lot of people feel comfortable with that because no one wants to have that confrontation, right? But the biggest thing is we all, as responsible Australians, we need to bring an end and challenge the status quo around domestic and family violence because there are so many things out of our control. We can't control perpetrators. We can't control the law. We can't control um, what happens in the courts. We can't control, there's so many things, right? What we can all do is to control how we respond and how we react. And that is where we will start seeing a massive shift in the landscape of domestic and family violence, all righty? So that's, you know, we need to lean in on our friends and family and start being really aware of it. Marcus, um, to answer your question, so we live in this incredible country and I think this is why, you know, Gareth and I, we're super passionate about it. You know, coming from both, coming from South Africa, my husband's from South Africa, Damo. Wow. Yeah, so we just have There's to, more of you guys. It's unbelievable. Yeah, we're everywhere. How, how, how does that happen? <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I've got heaps of mates of this Africa. It's great. I love it. Great sense of humor. I love it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I think, and we just happened to meet over here just, you know, fortuitously, as my dad would say, he likes to have one from the, you know, the son-in-law from the, the old country. And, uh you know, but I think Gareth and I, we feel so super strongly around the fact that we both have lived in South Africa. It's, you know, there's lots of crime, you know, third world, there's devastating situations over there. We get it. We know it. Okay. Coming over here where there's welfare, we have a beautiful climate, it's a beautiful environment, you know, all of these things, it should not be happening here. There's no excuses. There's absolutely no excuses for violence against the most vulnerable in our community. And uh, and I think the biggest thing that drives me as well is that, you know, we're, we're both from South Africa, but we... We need to focus on right here, what's happening right in our backyard, because there's not a not there is not enough of that happening, 
right? Mm. More often than not, we're seeing what's happening in third world countries around the world. And it's really wonderful to support that. Don't get me wrong. I'm just super passionate around supporting our own. And if more people understood what was happening in our own backyards, I think people would be blown away by the levels of um, crime, the levels of poverty, what's happening to these children who are presenting at refuge. Um, you know, their academic average is um, well below their age and what they should be. They're presenting with uh, post-traumatic stress on par with uh, people coming back from active warfare. So, you know, we don't have 30 years to learn to put on a seatbelt, right? I think I was saying this to you, Marcus. You know, we now, don't we all, we jump into the car and we put a seatbelt on. We don't even think about it. Yes. Yeah? That's it, yeah. That's, that's taken 30 years. Like we're, we're all yeah. now, yeah, click, clock, clack, you know, all of that. And yeah. um, whereas what we do know about domestic and family violence is that the violence to the brain through trauma all right, is significantly damaging the development of these little people, you know, severely damaging the victim survivors. And what's happening with their little brains is they are living in a state of hypervigilance. They aren't able to connect with their friends and family at school. They can't keep up. There's high levels of absenteeism. It's just devastating. And what we know about trauma in the brain, you know, I think you guys have probably, you know, you've heard of intergenerational trauma. Have you heard of all of, you know, that's common language. Yep. And we know about that through, you know, from what's happening to our Indigenous friends who mm. have been exposed to the stolen generation and everything. So we know what happens to trauma in the through the brain. And uh, what we're seeing is that this trauma is impacting generations four gen up to four generations down the track so these little children their children's children will be exhibiting trauma behaviors because it impacts the cells and the dna very very Nicole, Marcus, Marcus is about to ask a question but i wanted to get in just quickly just to just back step just a little bit there so with that um the trauma you're talking about are we talking the emotional trauma or the physical trauma both it's both yeah. but it's all, yeah yeah I, I just want to make that point because all stress is the same whether it be chemical stress emotional stress or physical stress it's all the same on the body so this will reprogram the neurons in the brain you could actually say it alters the dna because that's how it's going to you know present later down that's the track but this starts like you said um with seat belts so we teach our children behaviors so um my dad bless him used to say lots of sexist jokes um, and we'd laugh and then it became racist jokes and all this sort of stuff and it was always just casual racism or casual sexism or casual whatever but that kind of pokes fun at um, whoever is in the joke, you know, whether that be a, um, a, a culture or whether it be a gender or whether it be um, anything else. And so... Uh, Culturally, um, I also told lots of jokes um, as I grew up before I really understood the whole idea of um, this kind of casualness around racism or casualness around sexism. And it has to stop mm -hmm. from when the child is born um, because the moment we make it okay to mm -hmm. say a joke and then laugh about it is mm -hmm. the moment that we make it okay to 
swear at your partner or to be violent towards your partner or to do whatever else towards your friends or family without even knowing that you were doing something wrong. And I was accused once of being racist um, because I laughed at somebody's, you know, racial uh, quip, which wasn't you know, pointy or sharp or anything else. It was just that because I had a little giggle at the time, I was insensitive to the casualness of that. But that kind of, in that person's eyes, made that offensive, but it was okay to me based on my experiences. So going back to your point is this has to start when you're teaching your kids about seatbelts. There's no space for casual racism, sexism, or discrimination. Like any kind of discrimination um, will cause intergenerational damage. And I think you you make an amazing point there, Nicole. Thank you. Yeah, that's all right. I think it's um, we all play a, a part, don't we? We all play a part. If we want to, you know, my ultimate goal, Damo, is for us to all live in a trauma-informed society. I love that work that is done in that space around being trauma-informed. And, and uh, as an organisation, that's where we work, right? So we work in a space where... 82% of our volunteers are actually coming with some kind of lived experience of trauma. So whether that might be, so when we're talking about trauma to people who are listening, it's it's not necessarily domestic and family violence. Trauma could be post-traumatic stress. It could be from a, a car accident. Uh, you might have experienced trauma from a, a, a very a terrible birth. It could be lived childhood sexual abuse. It's, so, it's a continuum of different things right so and the trauma impacts the brain so when we're talking about having and living in a trauma-informed society and I think it's such a useful thing because it comes back to our core values right which is about being respectful to one another and to have really nice kind language and to look at everything through a lens of compassion kindness understanding and recognizing that there might be trauma in the space so I think in all of our journeys and we've worked in different places and you've worked, uh, you know, I can say for myself, we've worked with some really challenging personalities. And now, you know, in my 46 years now, I sort of look at that now that I'm doing a lot of work around the trauma, you can start to identify that what we're looking at and sometimes dealing with is actually trauma behaviors. So there's so much on the net. So I really encourage people to lean into that and Mm -hmm. still being really judgmental and going oh there's disorders or there's things like that we need to start reframing the language that we're using and we start saying it's trauma responses because therefore we're not being dismissive we're actually just acknowledging um the the possibility that there's trauma in the space but by no means and so i say all the time it's not an excuse for bad behavior right to trauma whatever not an excuse for bad behavior so every everyone can be involved on both sides there ah you got me on a rant <laughs> oh this is the best this is the best there's um i love it love there's, it there's Rant. a lot here you mentioned the net and getting on the net i want to mention a couple of things before i ask my question which is about the here and now when i first heard you speak uh live nicole you mentioned a campaign you have going called challenge or change 5000 which has yeah. essentially helped 5000 women now 
I think for memory, it's got, I've got to hear it's two dollars a week. And when I when I I don't know if it's because I'm I don't know if it's because I'm budget conscious or not, but with four kids, I feel like I'm constantly budget conscious. And I'm like, well, everyone in our family is going to help Nicole and rise up. I'll uh, change five thousand. We've we've got six of the five thousand. So yeah. we we just immediately when I heard this, uh, I told the kids. So we're helping people live happy lives. It's two bucks a week. They're yeah. all involved in it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I want people to go to riseup.com.au uh, and without calling you out on it, if you can't contribute $2 a week to helping another human being, there's something wrong with you. It's like have half, have, a, have a smaller coffee instead of a big one. That's all it is. I only one of them a week. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Don't have almond milk. Don't, <laughs> don't have hemp milk, soy milk, you know, skinny, any yeah. alternate milk. Just go on cow's yeah. milk for a Just have a, a normal latte and you've saved yourself at least two bucks a week. Just don't. have an espresso and don't have any milk in it full stop. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Change 5000, you know, I feel uh, this is something, it's an initiative that we've just recently launched and it's essentially the, the goal is for us to be sustainable for Rise Up to expand and you even continue the work that we're doing, um, we just need to reach 5,000 people each donating $2 a week, okay? So that will give us sustainability. You know, at the moment, out of southeast Queensland alone, we're operating out of 33 storage containers, not so. So we don't, um, you know, we look like this big shiny mobile, but we're actually not at all. We're, um, you know, we're just this little um, unfunded organization. And uh, my, you know, my passion actually is the fact that I do feel quite um, passionate about the, you know, the funding space because I feel like there are incredible frontline services out there that are doing it really tough. So, you know, any available money, I'm always for that. I feel like any available money that the government can put their hands on, they really need to be putting it to these frontline services, all right? So we're not considered a frontline service because we don't actually work directly with the women and the children and the men that we're, we're working with, all right? So it's good old-fashioned altruism. It's just really, it's a really practical mechanism to come in and furnish these empty homes. I suppose we should really go into what we do, Marcus. I was just thinking that because I know we're talking about the, the the issues but you're yes. about to talk about furnish the empty homes and just to make it clear because and i know you don't say this but i'm going to say it because it, it kind of disgusts me a little bit uh rise up still pay retail for the furnishings that they're putting into the homes of the women and the children that are being relocated so when we talk about not being a, not being funded not having the government support not having the not being frontline that's kind of the impact is is rise up is is not getting discounts on all of the stuff so that's why i think what do we call it these days crowdfunded seed funded we just need the community of australia doing good old australian things getting this supported so yes yeah it would be great um it would be great if you explain, you know, a kind of like a day in the life of, of helping someone relocate and what, what it looks like. Yeah, sure. So we are the leading service provider that work with the specialist services. So we work with refuges and we work with domestic violence crisis services. So um, uh, DV Victoria, Damire is down in Victoria, for example. Then there's a myriad of refuges and it's the same up here. We've got Brisbane domestic violence, all the peak services around the place, okay? And we don't work directly with the families. We'll just get all of that out the way first and give you an understanding of why we don't do that. We don't do that because we're not 
um, we're not social workers, okay? So I'm sales and marketing old mate. You know, I'm not a, a counsellor or, you know, anything like that. And it's really, you know, we need to swim in our lane, yeah? We need to swim in the lane. And the lane is that we can all come together and really put down our skills and uh, and I can talk. So <laughs> And I can talk. So, you know. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. So, you know, this is the thing, right? So, um we need to be really mindful of these really vulnerable families at the front line. I am quite outspoken in this space where, you know, there are really, there are amazing people out there that are really well-meaning and, you know, step into the domestic and family violence space because they feel they want to really get involved and help. The biggest and most important thing in the takeaway for everyone listening is we need to do this work, but do it really safely, right? Because, there are really incredible frontline services who are trained, they are experienced, they know how to safety plan, they do court support, they do all that wraparound stuff because we need to keep these families safe, right? We're not dealing with um, cupcakes and party hats. We are dealing with high levels of violence, high levels of uh, lethality. These, these, these families are incredibly vulnerable and we would be doing such a disservice to them if they were to, if something was to happen to them, right? So this is the thing. We've also need to be really mindful around this trauma behavior and, and, and we don't want to encourage any negative codependent relationships from forming. You know, people are super vulnerable in this space. So we just need to all swim in our lane. My team is always laughing because they'll ask me something and I'll say, is this your lane? Is this your lane? <laughs> so it's, you know, I think it's, um, it's really important. So we've got this mechanism that we've created, which is essentially the whole reason why we started was to drive awareness to domestic and family violence. We need people talking about it, right? We need to look at each other in the eye and not to feel uncomfortable. We just need to talk about it. You know, it's definitely not fashionable. It's not fun. It's um, a bit ick. You feel a bit ick about it. But um, now, almost six years in with Rise Up, we're now reaching about 600,000 people on fa on social media, on that's Facebook. Awesome. Which is amazing, that's right? Amazing. And that's, you know, from a little seed where we've kind of gone, let's get people talking about domestic and family violence. So let's create some vehicles where we're actually, we've got the homes program, so we need your furniture, you've got a couch, you know, all of those things. These people that we're helping are coming out of refuge after 12 weeks, right, where they've gone in and they've had the support of the refuge and they've gone into hiding essentially, um, they are most of the, the families that we're supporting go into community housing, okay, government housing, uh, and they, they go into them with absolutely nothing bar perhaps before us what the social workers would be able to secure themselves, right? So there might be a mattress or, or whatever. But... Now, with the help of Rise Up, which is why it's so super important that we need to be in, we need to become a household name. We need to be in every suburb across Australia. We need to be working super hard, and uh, because what we need to, we're doing is we're going in, and within four to five hours, we're completely transforming this empty, loveless property 
into something that is beautiful. There's food in the pantry. There is a full kitchen set. There's beds that are made. There's art on the walls. You know, we because we don't meet the families, what we do find out is little things. You know, uh, the teenage girl, she she knows she's not into pink, but she certainly loves black. So <laughs> we'll, you know, we'll tailor it to the needs of the family as best that we can. And uh, actually, I just got some feedback through from my homes manager today um, some little cards that were made from four children that have just gone into a home and I've put it onto Instagram. So you'll have to go and check it out, these beautiful little cards that these kids have made. And, uh, you know, so we go in and then we, you know, pick up the key out of the letterbox. It's all very, you know, <laughs> you know, and uh, we go in, my team goes in there, the furniture's dropped off, but essentially it's donation driven, right? So if it's not donated to us, we need to buy it. So if we don't have enough food, which we're buying retail price, it's nuts, isn't it? Um, and that's nothing to do with the government. That's actually, we need to partner with corporates. We need coals and that to come on board and to be donating. And I think, yeah. Um, sorry, Damo, did you want to ask that question on behalf of Pete or should we leave it till after the recording? I can't hear my, um, Damien. I think we've lost Damo. Is it just you and me? Damo, are you with us? I can see him. He's talking. Is he on mute? Damo. Damo. All right. (laughs) Damo, is he there? No. Hello? Oh, he's crying now. All right. I'm going to ask a question because I don't know if everyone else can hear, but this is the question that I want to ask, Nicole. I have one more question. Um, for people right now, particularly those in lockdown but just living isolated lives, if they feel that they are seeing something, hearing something, observing something untoward in their neighbourhood, in their street, in their next-door neighbour's house right now, mm-hmm. where do they go and what do they do? Because I feel like that's a very you know, unspoken yeah. kind of challenge for people. Absolutely. Call the police and report it. Keep yourself safe. That's super important, okay? Let's not think, oh, it's just a domestic. That's Your call might be the call that saves a life. It's super important to get involved. When we're all so traditionally, oh, it's just a domestic, let's change the language around that and it is our business and, and you're not bothering anybody and it can be anonymous when you're calling. The other thing to remember is that no matter if there's stage four lockdowns, if there's domestic and family violence, you can you can flee your home okay so there is help available and there are helplines and there's quick exits on on websites and all of those sorts of things people just need to know that there's lots and lots of support available heaps of support that's the one thing that i think is not clearly communicated out to the broader community is that there are amazing frontline services that do the best work and uh this is their specialty. They do it. They're incredible. Uh, so we need to just have have um, uh, an awareness of that. Drive an awareness that there's lots of uh, lots of help out there. One eight hundred respect is the national helpline. Uh, so you can ring twenty four hours a day. You can speak even if it's for your friend. You can ring or your family. You can ring and ask advice. Incredible service. So loads. Oh, he's back. Oh, he's back. Well, well, welcome oh, back. I think I'm going to have to call Road Road Podcast Microphones. It's time you sent me a new one because this has done miles and it's just mucking up all the time. Road Podcast Microphone, I need a new one, please. Um, 
<laughs> Nicole, there's been some great chat. Like as we've been talking, there's been people on the on the Facebook page chatting away. Um, one lady says, having been through the refugee system myself or the refuge system myself, I could never thank them enough and would love for more of the general public to have a better understanding of the remarkable jobs this sector does. Yeah. With this symbol, thank you. Get on board, peeps. So I, I want to thank um, Sam for sending that through. Um, Jody said she'd love to get on board and help you guys and she has a company that i know can help you guys which yes. is amazing um Jody. and then peter lennon yeah we love jodes and peter lennon says can we get practical because last night i bumped into a lady collecting money outside the local shops as i entered the shop i realized she was homeless as a result of domestic violence i work in an adjacent sector that's mental health and yet i still didn't know what to do for her how to make her safe what to offer who to refer her to. So maybe if we could just close off just by answering those few questions, that would be great. Thanks, Nicole. Sure, absolutely. Thanks for the question. So I think that's really incredible and and how nice to be able to lean in. I think the next step that you you would do is find out what it is that she wants to do. Yeah, find out what she wants to do. What is super important in this space is that we must never replicate the power and control of a perpetrator. And and I and I hear this a lot, you know, with, with friends and school mums and, and whatnot, and it's around, ah, I can't take it anymore. I, you know, they keep telling me what's going on and I don't want to know anymore. What we're doing there, we're, we're buying right into the game of the perpetrator, aren't we? Because we're further isolating. The minute that we stop wanting to know and we're stepping out of that space, we're actually going, yep, no worries, you're being isolated, Um, I'm out, okay? So what we need to do is walk, make a commitment to walking alongside these really vulnerable people and finding out what it is and what do they want to do at that point. Uh, What is their circumstances? Are they aware that there's 1-800-RESPECT? Are they aware that there's the the peak services, which is the there's one sort of peak service in every major city, um, but there's incredible incredible support services. So one eight hundred respect is the best. And I suppose in that situation, if the woman was open to that, then perhaps if he had a phone, maybe he could have asked if she wanted to ring one eight hundred respect. That's the other thing, and they can link her then, you know, through to a refuge or through to a motel, um, you know, just up here up. Here in Queensland, we've got the highest number of women sitting in motels that there's ever been before. I think we're we're at 78 women currently in motels waiting to to go into refuge. So it is a massive, massive problem in this beautiful country. And uh, we know that a lot of people are going back to violent homes because of lack of resources. So what what Rise Up is doing is we're going in and we're providing a really practical support mechanism. We are saying we support you. We understand this is a really tough time for you, but have a sit down, have a cup of tea and breathe at the dining table with your kids and um, and start that that journey of recovery. You know, we're we're creating an anchor for them in their new beautiful spaces. So if everyone could jump on the Facebook page on Rise Up and on Instagram and, and have a look, follow us. Share it. Share it amongst your friends and family. Share this podcast. Share the podcast. Share the Facebook Live. Now, you've got some fans here too, Nicole. Um, Tanya Birdsey and Debbie Kennedy. They are just uh, talking you up here. So um, a little shout-out to them, a little shout-out to them. And uh, and so thank you for, for joining us. 
<laughs> I'll let you close it off, Marcus yeah, Pierce. I think um, Rise Up for everyone watching and listening is spelt with a Z. So R-I-Z-E-Up.com.au, Rise Up Australia on socials as uh as Nicole said, massive reach on Facebook. I love the Instagram page personally, not on Facebook that much these days. I love how the families are numbered. You mentioned the card that the um, the children made. I was having a peek at that. Um, just support Rise Up however you can. If it's two bucks a week, maybe it's five women and families you want to do ten bucks a week. But go to riseup.com.au. Seriously, let's. I don't want to be too hyper-optimistic, but let's bloody end domestic violence, at least in the lucky country. How can we call ourselves a lucky country with disgusting stats like that? So let's all put in two bob and and get this uh, country of ours going a whole lot better, pandemic or not. We can at least help uh, by supporting uh, Nicole and the Rise Up community and the hundreds of thousands, sadly millions of people in this country that are impacted by domestic violence. So, Nicole, from Damien and I and all of our listeners and viewers, we love you. We are so grateful to have people like you. We are thankful to your mum and dad that came over to Australia uh, because without them knowing it, they were planting the seed uh, of an incredible mission that you are on by bringing you over here and we are so grateful to have your support um, in our country and your Thank you to you and what you do at Rise Up Australia. And as always, thanks for joining us on 100 Not Out. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you. No worries. Now, don't go anywhere, Nicole. We're going to wrap up this episode and we might hang on a little bit for our Facebook uh, viewers. To all of the listeners and viewers of 100 Not Out, thank you for your support of the podcast. You can catch up uh, with this podcast and many more by going to thewellnesscouch.com, the Facebook page 100 Not Out, spell it all out, and on Instagram at 100.notout. Make sure you check up Nicole and the Rise Up community over at riseup.com.au. And until next time, as always, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. Bye for now. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.